Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony. Hi, and I'm so happy you're here. It is the 4th of July weekend. Yay, happy 4th of July. Also, Canada Day, we just passed July 1st. Happy Canada Day. Celebrating all kinds of Independence Days in North America over here. Um, I am excited to offer this wonderful interview with a friend of mine, Michael Chabot. He uh, invited me first to Germany, where he had been the founder of Ashtanga Spirit, which you might recognize from a previous podcast that we did with Asta Kaplan. She has taken over the Ashtanga Spirit program from Michael Chabot, or Skabort, if you're speaking with the South African uh, pronunciation. Um, and this is a really, really uh, amazing conversation. It's a little bit intense. It's a little bit, might be a little bit triggering even. We're going to talk about apartheid in South Africa and the abolishment of apartheid. We're going to speak about Michael's experiences growing up in South Africa, and then what got him into yoga, his travels around the world. He's traveled all over teaching, um, and dive into what's next for him. So it's a it's an incredible conversation, and Michael is just such a free spirit. Uh, he's sort of a wandering soul, a gentle, gentle spirit wandering the planet, like just, you know, spreading peace and love and good vibrations to all of his students everywhere. So I know you're going to fall in love with him, as everyone does. And I wanted to also mention that I am offering a full week of Mysore. It's a Mysore intensive week coming up July 11th to the 15th every day Monday to Friday will be a Mysore class online with me so be sure you sign up uh, you can find all the information on my website harmonyslater.com and I would love to have you in this week of classes it's going to be fun. It's a small and intimate group that I'm opening this up to. So if you'd like to join us, please do. And I'm opening up my Inner Circle membership at the end of the week on July 15th. I hope that you would join me inside the Inner Circle membership. There's so much there. Uh, it is a weekly Mysore class that you get as well as monthly conference monthly philosophy, monthly chanting and pranayama class. Um, plus you get access to me. We have a very active WhatsApp group and Facebook group, a private Facebook group. And um, yeah, there's just a really beautiful community of practitioners that are super supportive. You're free to ask questions and, you know, everyone has has their own experience inside the inner circle and is sharing their experiences from wherever they are in the world, whether it's through photos or music or just, you know, YouTube videos. Um, it's such a wonderful, wonderful community. I'm so happy about everyone who's 
in the inner circle. And on top of it, you get bonus Finding Harmony episodes that are only um, available to the inner circle members. So if you love listening to the Finding Harmony podcast, which I know you do because you're here every week, then uh, why not become an inner circle member where you get the inside scoop on many of our guests as well as other uh, super valuable conversations that we've had, whether they've been in Clubhouse um, or just conversations from Russell or myself. Uh, All the bonus episodes are there in the inner circle membership. So yeah, I hope that you join and come on inside because there's so much there for you. Uh, n- last but not least, there's an entire library of guided classes and videos, as well as chanting and breathing classes, archive classes. Um, yeah, you will have your fill of yoga with me by the end of your, of your time. There's more there than you'll ever probably go through in a year or even two years or three years, whether it's hip opening classes or backbending classes, uh, special workshops that I've taught in the past. It's all there for you to access. So, um, the value is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. And I just encourage you to jump on inside. Um, This is a great, great opportunity to connect with me more directly. And um, yeah, join this group of beautiful practitioners. So that's what's up. Without any further ado, please listen to Michael on the Fighting Army podcast. Coming right up. Welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host Harmony, and I am here with Russell Case. Hi, Harmony. We um we have something very exciting for you today. We have uh Michael Scabord, uh, who is uh, best known as the um the leading man of the experimental witch from 2008. <laughs> Fantastic to have you on the show. Oh, yeah. wrong michael i think no i know it said it on there's only the one there's only one on the internet movie database in the and michael revealed to us that he was uh in the film industry it's so it true. has to it be was, the same in the, it has to be the same that was person. long ago that's another life and i didn't so know did they were you, other michaels actually i had no idea well what was it like on set of the experimental witch it says that you were a spiritual group attendee <laughs> <laughs> which is i think we're really getting aligned, close isn't it <laughs> we're really close here to it really being you yeah oh wait <laughs> i don't know hey i, I don't know i think I it's know. i think it's give you me some give me some In 2008 experimental witch athena is dead now the controversial spiritual leader ended up that way, how the controversial spiritual leader ended up that way, creates the intrigue sustaining this global adaptation of Paulo Sello's best-selling book, The Witch of Portobello, top credits director Tamsin McCarthy and Louis Reneo, um, stars Tamsin McCarthy, oh, and uh, Vicki Davis, Kayla uh, Bois-Witz. Those are all people that you've worked with, I imagine. <laughs> Are they South Africans? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't. Let's see where Tamsin McCarthy is. I like from. how he's he's thinking that South African-born Tamsin McCarthy 
producer, director, actress, and musical artist. I think, also I think transgender. You know, I know all these names and stuff, and I don't know too much about you know the stuff, but I, I do think it is possible that I was part of a cast on a group that did something like this. Maybe might you know it is a possibility in wow. South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's but, I mean, looking maybe more I'm and more like, likely. Like. Because I don't know anything about <laughs> the celebrity world and all that stuff. So maybe these people, everyone else knows about them and I don't. So and, it could and also be it. like a very and there's another Michael Scubbard out there. Maybe. I don't know. Scubbard. <laughs> this looks like you, mate. I don't know. I think we should watch the film and see if you're in it. <laughs> we found some obscure a, film that you're you, you may or may not be in, but you don't know. So I was South an extra. Africa. I was just an, an extra. extra in the background. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Spiritual devotee. Fit <laughs> the part. One thing uh, I wanted to mention um, about the name Scabord. Yeah. is that uh, in the United States, the average salary for a man with the last name of Scabord is $38,000 per year, which I think is not bad. Is that... Um, I mean, can, where did you, you find that? Uh, on forebears.com, you can find out the, the, the average salary for last names. And so I'm just thinking, come to the United States, you could, you'd be making 40 grand in no time per year that's not uh that's nothing to to laugh at i think you know just because of my name yeah because of (laughs) your name yeah that's almost fifty thousand canadian home wow yeah it's considerable what do do slaters make oh that's a good question let me just find that out Slaters are way up there. I hope so. We do have some famous slaters, so that should help me out. Scabboard, as we learned, was a corruption of old German. It's a shepherd. It's most prevalent in South Africa. 365 people bear this last name in um, In South Africa. It doesn't seem like a lot, does it? Yeah, it's not a lot. (laughs) Hey, Red. So you were born in South Africa. Yeah, what are you? <laughs> We've established. I we think. have our listeners at home have no idea what you are. Are you an actor? What? Um. So I introduce myself. Yes. <laughs> no, it's it's our job is to introduce them. What do you what do you um, know about Michael? He can introduce himself. No, they never introduce themselves. We that's our job. We don't usually sit around and talk about someone's last name and how much they make a, by via Google either. So this is a this is a new thing. No, it's not the the <laughs> the comic relief is how we always start the show. There's a format. That's what we do. And then we should say something about Michael. Michael is a yoga teacher. Yes, and an actor, and an, a retired actor. Actor, no, I, I, that was all, in the uh, experimental witch, <laughs> which is quite a big film. Tell, tell us, tell now, us, you were you, born in South Africa. You grew up in a winery, like a vineyard. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not in a vineyard, but um, on a farm that had vineyards. And, what, uh, actually what, were, huh? That's a vineyard, mate. <laughs> oh, a vineyard, huh? Uh, a, a wine farm. Yeah, a, a wine farm. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, I wasn't born there. I was born in Johannesburg. Okay. But my um, my father's family, they own many farms down in the Western Cape. And um, so when I was about two, we moved over. And oh. um, cool. I spent, I grew up there. On one Beautiful. Of the Beautiful. So, so, but there were other things on the farms other than vineyards then? 
course, we had horses, we had mules, cows, all kinds. Wow. But, but were we your parents farmers? Food. Was that what they were? No. Um, no. I guess it's just because the family owned farms. So we lived on one of them. The Scarboards. Yeah, the Scarboards. They, they, had, yeah. a, they had a farm called Eversdal. If you if you know anything about South Africa, yeah. And uh, Eversdale became an area now, and mm-hmm. uh, they sold Eversdale, which is an area, and they they bought a whole lot of other farms. And I guess, uh, yeah, my mother and father wanted to move back to Cape Town, and there was a farm to live on. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. You described your mother as a healer to us. Yeah, you know that's her archetype. I would say she's not oh, like, cool. like an active healer at the moment, but that, you know, everyone's got their archetype. And if I would look at my mother, she, she's the healer archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just not, not active yet. If she ever gets off the ground, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> yeah, she's kind of like been into that kind of thing like reflexology. And, you know, when mm-hmm. I was young, she always took me to healers, not doctors, which I was really grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Waldorf school and that kind of stuff. I don't know if you know what the Waldorf school is. Oh, we do. Yeah, my, my teacher, Guy, came out of the Steiner, Waldorf Steiner thing. Yeah. Teacher Guy? Yeah, Guy Donahue in, um, oh. in New York. Yeah, he was my principal Meister teacher, and he came out of that, okay. that whole world. Mm. And so yeah. it's like more focused on like natural kind of development, I think, right? Is that what you'd say? Yeah, um, it's like <clears throat> anthroposophy is like, um, we actually had a main lesson at school about this. And um, anthroposophy is, well, our teacher related it to anthropology. Mm-hmm. And anthropology would be, say, the study of human, con- like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. of cultures and societies, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. ethnic groups or whatever. Um, so, he said anthroposophy is similar, except for that, you know, if you were to study anthropology, you would just be studying like a pond and everything that's inside of the pond. And then anthropology is like studying everything that's inside of that pond and how that pond sort of functions. Um, and then stepping out of the pond and starting to walk on land. So in a way, it's a bit like, um, you know, you had the Theosophical Society back in those mm-hmm. days, where came from and stuff like that. And then yeah, you had yeah. China. And- Madame. It was like you know, he created the Anthroposophical Society, which yeah. is basically like the study of humankind, um, but in a very sort of esoteric level as well. In, study in of, of human wisdom, could you say? Maybe. Human mm-hmm. wisdom. Just thinking of the word sophical and its root, I would think perhaps the the study of human Theosoph- anthroposophical might like be the, the study of, of God, God, right? It's yeah. like if you go to, there's a place called the Goetheanum, it's in Adorno in Switzerland, near Basel. It's in Basel. Hmm. And um, yeah, so the Goetheanum is like a, a university for this kind of thing. So if you want to become a Eurythmy teacher or a painter or a, a physicist even, <laughs> Like you can study anything there, really. Um, wow. Even you know business, um, but in a holistic way. Mm. 
And um, so it's basically just approaching life from a spiritual way as opposed to like just a material way. You mm-hmm. kind of like see everything. So, so when they're bringing children up in, in a school like this or within an anthroposophical family, they, um, they allow the child to um, sort of develop from the inside out. So that's the idea is that you come from the in, inner to the out. So they don't repress, they don't try and like shape you put a uniform on you and tell you you have to do this and you have right. to do that. And if you're going to study maths, then like here's a textbook and now you study maths. Mm-hmm. Or like we would have say history instead of like um, us getting a textbook on this, on say the Renaissance, the, the teacher would act out the Renaissance and sort of show us things about the Renaissance and give us experiences that relate to the Renaissance. And then we would have to go and do our own research about that. And then we'd, we would create a book a textbook hmm. and that instead of us reading a textbook from the teacher we give the teacher our textbook on on the oh, right cool. yeah. so mm. and um, yeah so i suppose it is it's a little bit of a um harry potter what do you call that place Hog- hogwarts, hogwarts. <laughs> you have to have a calligraphy pen and uh, no a fountain pen it doesn't have yeah. to be calligraphy it's fountain no lines you have to make your own drawings and everything yeah do you feel like this this education and going through this type of schooling like shaped your personality it it definitely um nudged it Mm -hmm. a bit Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i wish i i started earlier with that kind of thing um but yeah, I kind of like arrived in uh, at, at the Waldorf school. I arrived in the middle of like, I don't know, in the, be- the end of junior school, okay. you could say, and then the beginning of high school. Yeah. And, um, you know, those were the rebel days. So suddenly yeah. I was allowed to grow my hair and just, you know, and you know, it was the time of Kurt Cobain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, we were just wild then. And, you know, it's just corduroy jeans and ripped up and like skating. And so I, I was just like, okay, cool. Well, we've left the farm and now we live in the city and I could suddenly, I was exposed to all the stuff. So I, I went wild. And then I got into like the Cytrons scene and I just like, I forgot about schoolwork. So in a way it wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> because I, I wasn't sort of nurtured into it from young, like the rest right. of my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went a bit wild and uh, yeah I suppose that shaped me too yeah it's certainly doing a lot of trance work is going to do that <laughs> a lot of trance work <laughs> yeah. yeah like trance dance trance dance is going to shape trans-dance. your shape you yeah <laughs> for yeah. sure I did I did a fair bit of that in Chicago yeah yeah enormous amount of MDMA and and trance dancing <laughs> together so if, shape the way that i i talk so yeah we didn't do well, i did drugs too when i was young that was not so good but uh, no do mdma huh it's not good no i don't think when you when you're like a teenager i don't think it's good it's not good for your mm. um, development you don't think so no. for your brain for your brain i don't know it seems mm. like that's the time when everyone does it though yeah, <laughs> yeah. i didn't I, I i would have liked i mean i don't i'm not against any of these things but i just i wish i waited so you, you know when i was doing an enormous amount of cocaine as a 
as a baby in utero in uterus i also feel like i probably should have waited yeah yeah and uh, because you don't know how that's going to affect your development (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's pre-development because normally the um, human beings develop after birth the brains develop afterwards not before Uh, you got in in time i feel like i could have had better hearing and been taller I think that's the two my two taller. main faults because of the fucking coke I was taking as a six month baby. Maybe, um, but I do think that the MDMA and the LSD was in, was very helpful later on um, in my development, sort of as a counter to all of that previous trauma. Well, maybe it, it woke up certain parts of your brain. I think. Yeah, it's really hard to say what could have been. You don't know in any situation. <laughs> But you seem you seem you have like a beautiful kind of light to you. You seem like you're you, the things that happened to you as a child were really quite positive. Yeah, I felt quite lucky in that way. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there were everyone has you know every person has their their sort of traumas when they're a child, and it varies to certain degrees. Um, but uh, there were three boys that grew up. The three, uh, there were three of us. There were three brothers, and we all grew up on this farm together. And I was the eldest. Um, oh. and, and you know, my mother left my father and left this farm life, and it was a very you know big part of our lives. You know, and to be pulled out of that and pulled away mm-hmm. from that whole reality that was our kingdom, you could say, was yeah. quite traumatic. Um, <clears throat> And for my brothers, it, it was worse. Like, I, I feel quite lucky in the sense that I, I've always felt like I have guides guiding me or some, something like, like an angel. It, it sounds kind of far out, but I really feel it this way. Mm-hmm. It felt like, you know, if I was going to um, go down a dark path, there was only, you know, I could go so far and before I was stopped or slapped mm-hmm. or told to change or... Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it was literally some sort of divine intervention. I felt, I, I felt like there wasn't, mm-hmm. isn't, my being is not allowing me to go here. I have to, I have to change. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I feel quite lucky. And I, you know, it's funny. I always question that. I always wonder why do some people have that more than others? Mm-hmm. My brothers didn't have it as strongly, and um, there are people I've met in this world who just don't have that. They don't have any sort of like guide in that way yeah it's interesting I, I i feel like when we when we've spoken to or had people with addiction issues on the show that it's that thing that you're describing that's that's sort of absent that that's just something that stops like okay that's probably enough i should leave the party i should i can maybe not do that again tomorrow but the people with mm-hmm. real addiction issues like they just keep bottoming out yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no, I never got like that with me. I was like, right. was very aware that this is not really what I want. This is not really, really like going to work. Yeah, uh, I was just got involved. I got involved with the wrong part of people, I guess. You know, or kids mm. in school, and uh, yeah, and, and they they came from families that were like real hippies. Nothing, yeah. more, but right. uh, hippies or but uh, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they were sort of like kind of serious hippies, and um, I guess. Uh, 
yeah, we, were, we ended up hanging out with the people who are a lot older than us and they were taking these drugs. So I, I was just kind of like observing it from a very young age and partaking sort of in a very light way compared to everyone else. And, uh, and I got out of Dodge as soon as I could. But. That's, that's, that resonates with me because, you know, I, I joke, but I was really like, I think I took ecstasy like five times and I felt like, oh yeah, I learned, I got exactly what I wanted out of that. I've had enough and I don't really, yeah. didn't really feel like I needed to, you know, spend the next year doing it every day in, in a hovel <laughs> somewhere, you know, it's just never, <laughs> you know, never really like occurred to me. Like I need to get back to work, you know? What, what, how old were you when you left South Africa then? Oh, uh, um, well, I left a few times. I was 21. My first trip, I went to the Gertianum. Uh, mm -hmm. I was really into this whole anthroposophical thing. Mm -hmm. um, what did you yeah, do there? We, it was like a world conference. Okay. Um, concentrated on youth and basically youth getting together and solving world problems, you could say. Cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah. It was interesting. It was amazing. We, I met amazing people, and uh, and then ended up working on a farm and uh, and uh, how do I say biodynamic farm? That's what they call them. Oh yeah, biodynamic farm. Yeah. So it's basically, uh, you know, it's like permaculture, but based on all organic, but based on sort of anthroposophical principles. So they they do a lot of witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like um, plant yeah. things at certain amazing. times, right? And yeah harvest things at certain times and like yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's like it's cool i've i've listened to a couple of lectures about uh biodynamic farming and it's i was like wow this is the way everyone should farm. amazing on the gertianum i found tomatoes like the size of pumpkins wow I was hungry I, when I, we ended up staying for longer than we should have um with a group of other kids and we were all like we hid under the bunkers and stuff you, met, you um, might have been the principal research source for the experimental witch the film <laughs> that you did that's amazing maybe he did <laughs> I, I, harmony always likes to move away from the the, the parent question because I, I feel like we could dig in a bit more there the the dad the dad that was um on the farm was that the biological father or was that yeah, the biological and, one <laughs> okay because you have a stepfather that's an entrepreneur so that confused me and i felt like the biological father was a was a gymnast and so this whole farming thing kind of threw me okay well you see traditionally it's a traditional family mm -hmm. uh old school you know it was super old school i mean they had sham box and they were, it was terrible. It's, it's something I'm really glad I didn't inherit anything, basically. I, I'm kind of free myself from that entire thing. But it was in the times of slavery, you could say, in South Africa, it was apartheid. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my grandfather had uh, the, the laborers on the farm on the DOP system. And the DOP system basically is when you pay them in wine instead of money. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I would see these people lined up to get their wine at the end of the month. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, um, you know, obviously that weekend they would go and steal from the, the, the farm. They would get vegetables and stuff because they don't have any food. 
Right, just wine. And then they get caught and they would be put in these dungeons and I would hear the whips like cracking. Oh my gosh. They were caught and that's horrible, you know. But anyway, it was a very traditional, um, like old school, like wow. old South African, you know, before this new South Africa came out, before Mandela was yeah. a dude. And um, that's intense. You said the whipping human beings. Yeah, in the dungeons on the farm. And they would live on the farm. It's like, the it's like they, they're, they, they were a bit backward, you know, they were from another time. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand that you don't approve so, of the Yeah, that kind of thing happened. It, it even happened at schools. I mean, you know, at our school, it was still, mm -hmm. we were still in that time where, you know, you got jacks and you got whipped. And <laughs> wow. Um, but anyway, um, the the eldest son of the family gets the farm and he becomes uh, a farmer so he was pulled out of school earlier and my yeah. father was the youngest son so he was told to continue studying oh. yeah. so he and he was interested in gymnastics and he was very good at it so he yeah he did so that when, when like he proper proper gymnastics, uh, yeah. olympic gymnastics like he's, yeah. i don't know how old he is now he must be in his 60s but a few like 10 years ago i saw him doing a, a double somersault like on the grass you know really so, like a like a flip yeah wow. yeah like he's back and goes wow incredible yeah. wow um, so, I, you know i don't know it, it's not what his i think it was just something he did when he was like you know after school and university yeah. uh when he met my mother um yeah i don't I don't know what he did. I mean, I guess he was, he joined the police force because it was, you had to join the force, the army or the police. And mm -hmm. then he became a detective and then he, he worked for a bank and that type of thing. Just like he did whatever he needed to do at yeah. the time. Yeah. But my mom came from a very different culture. She was, she was from a, a British culture, mm. um, born in Rhodesia. So oh, yeah. that's Zimbabwe now. Yeah. Named after Rhodes. Yes. An awful human being. Yeah. The scholar. Oh, relative. Mm. Ugh, he's not a scholar. He's he more of a beast. The, the but, yeah. mm. but um, <laughs> colonialist. <laughs> um, Cecil John Rose. Anyway, yeah. So redeemed yeah. was called then, and um, you know, at that time it was quite cool for British people um, to own land in Africa and have tobacco farms and stuff. Mm. So my mom kind of grew up in that sort of world, I suppose. Um. Her father was a doctor. Um, my grandmother, Mary Lou, she was from London. Mm. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time. I mean, mom was very young when she had me. She met my, my father, you know, on a trip to Cape Town or something like that. And then next minute she was pregnant. And next minute she had to get married. But she, I don't think she really gelled with that different culture. It wasn't really her culture. So ah, it didn't yeah. work out really. Um, there he is, or she is. Yeah. <laughs> little puppy dog. Aren't you a little puppy dog? Yes. That's so that's so interesting. So then and and shortly after it sounds like they got married, then they moved to the farm. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is um it was kind of an obvious thing, you know, like now you have to get married. And they're obviously very religious, the, the old school farmers. You know, they're very um, 
this uh, angelic, what you call it, angelic Christian or something? Uh, oh, yeah. Evangelical. Evangelical. Yeah. Um, I might have to get rid of the dog. <laughs> Okay. This is a. Uh, is this like 1975? Is that when you're about when you were born? Um. No. No. 82. Yeah. 82. You were born. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking the, the Kurt Cobain thing, kind of like I. Th- <laughs> I remember just ex- I was just entering high school when that when that came out, and so, mm. and so you, your your mom left your dad and the farm, which sounded horrific, and then moved to Cape Town to be with your your stepdad probably who was the entrepreneur he he became my father really he he ended up bringing us up and my my biological father wasn't really present anymore um yeah so i mean i I suppose that was my thing you know like he didn't fight for me and everyone's got their little thing you know kind of like you deal with it and you move on with your life um so yeah growing up and so did we were you there then in cape town when apartheid was happening when it was dissolving it was already was already gone you know mandela was the president and okay we had a whole nother world going on by that so that was just when you were like a young a young child yeah like apartheid ended in the early 90s right yeah yeah yeah. Wow. Did, was that a significant change for you in your in your day to day in your home? What? The ending of apartheid. No, I didn't notice. Mm. You, yeah. I was too young. I mean, obviously, like my dad's working in the peace force, and you have these kind of like farmer farmer. We call them boors, you know, in South Africa, like these these farm farmer kind of policemen that yeah. were really sort of. Um, thick-skinned and you know kind of like yeah we cornered them and we shot them and they were all right. sort of kind of you know you had the sort of you know, they even used uh, in the uh far right wing kind of like um party they you know they used the swat sticker and like they were very wow. nice you know, yeah you know that so yeah i saw that kind of thing i saw these sort of this sort of behavior um verbally in the way people behaved and spoke and treated other um, people of other color and stuff. But when I was very young um, and I, it's obviously it, it was horrible to witness, but you know, by the t- my mom was very much against that and her family were um, always fighting underground for the ANC and like doing mm-hmm. sort of other things. Um, her brothers were doing a lot of that kind of thing in the Navy and stuff and sort of fighting for communism actually funny enough. Mm-hmm. And like getting getting all the uh, you know yeah. get, getting messages to to Cuba that because the Cubans came to Africa as well um, yeah. there was a big war around mm-hmm. that the Angolan War I think anyway I don't know too much about it <laughs> but um, they were all in that and um, there was a lot of sort of like trying to help the ANC and try and get like I don't know. yeah so um, you know growing up. In Cape Town, then it was a very different world. It was, you know, suddenly it was the new South Africa, and we, we um, things were opened up a lot. So, uh, you, you, you know, things don't obviously change immediately. Like you still see people behaving in a certain way. Like mm-hmm. you still see the segregation, meaning even on both sides. Like, like uh, people of uh, like the African people, the uh, Ubuntu races, they were still very submissive. 
in that time, you know, right. still yeah. very sort of like, they kind of hold this energy of being less. Um, right. And that's slowly changing now rapidly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you still sort of felt that sort of like kind of the, the, the difference in education and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It was still unbalanced. Yeah. And like you say, these things don't change overnight, right? It's no. it's like in us how we are, how our tendencies, how we act, how we think. And so, even though maybe um, legislation changes or um, you know laws and and even like dominant uh, political or even ideology, right? Not even political, just ideology. We can, but internally the change has to kind of happen yeah. over some time because we can't just become different human beings entirely yeah. right yeah. i was i was thinking that myself is that i was wondering like i wonder if that feeling of of um of having a foundation like a grounded experience and that everything will be will work out and i'll be able to i'll be able to kind of manage any situation that comes up for me you know whether i'm in you know, with a police officer or at school or with a, a guidance counselor, I think, I wonder if that's all white privilege. That's mm. like, that's what's kind of pervading my consciousness is that sense of, of um, that self sense of self-determination is just like, yeah, I'll be fine. Or I'm just a white safety, male. safety. I'm a, that's I'm a white it. male. Like, How bad could things get? Yeah. At the bottom, I think at the very <sighs> bottom of it, it's a sense yeah, of like, I'll be it. safe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, whereas the alternative is like, uh, someone might die here and that person might be me. Right. There's yeah. like not that sense of, of even like just basic human safety in yeah. any situation. That would lead one to, to panic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, and then it also will lead into like nervous system regulation too. Right. Yeah. And we know that actually does. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That's so fascinating. It's so interesting to hear your story growing up. It really, it resonates with me thinking also about like the rampant racism in, in my culture and my family and, and the, the very kind of, I think generation back with like the recent, the recent civil rights um, movement in the sixties giving way to a, a newfound uh, black power movement um, a black pride movement as maybe, you know, as Nina Simone might put it, you know, young, gifted and black, you know, and the, the, you can see just like the, the vile pushback of white supremacy against that notion of, of black pride, you know, that even like the, you could say, you could call it a theory the the notion that, that the reason we had trump as president it was a vile white supremacist you know child of a clansman was because we had a black president that there was um there was just a, a vile pushback at the notion of um i think the the way my grandfather would call it is an uppity negro uppity Uppity Negro is what I think what he would probably use a worse term, but yeah. Okay. Mm. Huh. Yeah, it's just ignorance, really. Fear. Fear consciousness. Yeah. People just afraid. 
Yeah. yeah. Afraid of like, but I mean, I mean, surely we, you know, I was a bit surprised during that whole time and, and, and all of that came out and, you know, then there was Brexit and all of those things. And I thought, wow, uh, it really was a bit of a shock. And I think, you know, on our planet, we are raising in our consciousness mm-hmm. already quite rapidly then it's this movement, whatever's happening now started happening then already. Mm-hmm. And, and we were like, wow, suddenly like there was a light shining on, um, on everything really. And, and you kind of go, well, I thought we were like l- long past all of this stuff. I thought right. like as a collective, we, we weren't into this anymore. We had moved on. <laughs> and suddenly you go, Oh my gosh, we've regressed. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, the same thing happened in, in the UK. It was like, Oh my God, you know, no ways. And then suddenly, you know, all of this stuff started coming out and it was mm-hmm. just, you kind of go, okay, well, well, and I mean, in, in terms of, you know, having an experience to, to confirm that change, like apartheid should have had an experience of revolution. There should have been a fight mm-hmm. out of it, not just a handing over. And, and that's yeah. something that uh, we felt quite strongly. It's, it's sort of lingering all the time. There's this lingering sort of like, we didn't get our revenge yet. Mm. you know yes, and, and that's yeah. not really good i mean mandela even he 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 apparently i heard that he refused to come out he refused to just you know come out the way he did mm-hmm. you know they they actually had to convince him to do it mm-hmm. and he said no these people need a revolution and it's not going to work without a revolution they need to feel like they deserve it right hmm. wow didn't, yeah. that kind of didn't happen I don't want to go too much into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is interesting though, right? Like needing uh, needing some kind of physical uh, or historical like action, like very action-oriented thing to mark transformation. Like ceremony, something really yeah. actually kind of, there was a, a, yeah. a, what do you call it? Um, a passing through uh, a uh, rite of passage. Yeah, sometime. rite of passage. Yeah. yeah, and you see that even like in religious, you know, traditions where you have like baptism, right? Where you're entering into like a new state as a Christian or um, like bar mitzvah, you know, in sort of the Jewish tradition or, you know, I'm sure there's other traditions i could think of in india the brahmin threading ceremony ceremony, um, Um, yeah a coming of age ceremony yeah a coming of age or like marking a a significant kind of change Mm, in mm. one's life Mm, yeah and it's it's yeah it's um yeah it's interesting that that didn't happen there what what we did when we had a a transformation in the culture and and a a change from one regime to the next is is uh we stormed our capital and destroyed it (laughs) what was the sort of a um in america it was a rite of passage yeah that was how we went from trump to biden quite barbaric it these past these things are emotional (laughs) yeah Yeah. So what you left to go to the college in Switzerland, Switzerland, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you came back home Mm. and then you spent time in England. Was that your next place? Yeah. Yeah. I I first went to, uh, I first from, from Switzerland, went to the UK and then came back to South Africa for a little bit. And at some point decided to move to the UK and I lived there for 
a good four to five years or something. Oh, wow. When did you do that? It was like 2008. That's when you were in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So you were in 2008 in England. Uh, no, that's... I was working in production. I was not an actor, so it wasn't yeah. me. That's, that's, <laughs> that's right Sorry. when I left England um, to move to Taiwan. Uh, what part, were you in, in London? Were you, where were yeah. you? London, yeah. Were you teaching yoga? <laughs> um, no, I wasn't. I was, I was just working. Was and, um, the theater. In the theater, yeah. And so was oh, yoga a part no? of your life at that? You weren't in the theater? The um, film production. Film production. Yeah, yeah. We're just yeah. making little movies and things. So. But <laughs> no, like I, I practiced yoga. One. I practiced uh, Ashtanga before. Uh, I, you know you know Michael Hamilton? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he, he's also, he was actually born in the hospital that used to be my father's house where my father was born. Oh, it was, uh, Christ, it was you do look hospital. like him too, mate. Jesus. Michael, it's yeah. funny. They call us little Mike and Big Mike, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think you're actually quite a bit bigger than he is. In is, that, is that right? No. Is he a big lad? No, Michael Hamilton's quite. No, no, this uh, <laughs> this Michael in front of us. Well, he, I, I don't know. You seem tall big. to me. but you're, you're <laughs> I'm really, very short. You're a tiny. Michael is um, a, a middle-sized person, like Krishna, okay, and, is, and just as beautiful. Both middle-sized people. <laughs> a very purple-skinned, beautiful, yeah. middle-sized man is Michael. <laughs> yeah, that's I how I remember. I think I'm taller than I look. I mean, I'm, I'm shorter than I look. I look taller than I am. Maybe, maybe. You have but a big I'm energy. Big Are you about presence. the same height as Michael? Yeah, we, we're more or less the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Michael, Michael and I are also about the same height. Middle-sized, really? yeah, middle-sized oh. people. Yeah, anyway, I went to South Africa when I was like, you know, at school. Uh, I, had oh, a, okay. I had a world of school teacher um, who, um, she just, she, I don't know, she did sabbatical in the East and I was doing uh, Kung Fu at the time. I was like mm -hmm. 18 or something. Yeah. And um, and she said, oh yeah, when I get back from the East, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to a duel. I'm going to go and study something, you know. And it was kind of her humor and mm -hmm. she kind of like, she arrived back after two years or something of being out in the east and she said are you ready and i was like okay so what did you study and she said uh i studied yoga and at that time in kung fu class they were like yeah don't do yoga it's for like it's for gays you know yeah, like, yeah. Don't do that. Sissies, for sure yeah <laughs> old people yeah still today and uh so i was like okay yeah like you're doing yoga i mean what are you going to do to me with your yoga and she was like no 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 come like and she had met Michael along the way okay. and they had really connected. And Michael always called her his teacher in, in certain ways. And she'd always, obviously he was her teacher, but she was a very wise, amazing human being. I mean, she was uh, from another time. Hmm. Really, it was incredible just to be around her. Um, and I mean, she was into so much more, you know, she was like really, she had a huge... Um, understanding for Greek mythology and, and Egyptian mm. things and all kinds of, I don't know, she was just from another time mm. oh. and um, had big questions. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had a lot of questions when I was young and, and she kind of like entertained them and she always kind of played with me in this. Yeah. And uh, she kind 
kind of like got me to roll out a mat and then she started teaching me primary and I was like, wow, this is really good. You know, cool. I always kind of kept that with me. And then he, every now and again, Michael come visit her and we'd make some soup and then he would tie us up and stuff. (laughs) That's how it all really started for me. But, but I never really like took it seriously. I mean, in those days they used to be like, yeah, you should go to India. You you should do this. You'll probably become a teacher one day. You should do that. Wow. And, uh, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to India. And I, they were saying, yeah, yes, this is, you should see Michael's teacher. And, and I wish I did because I only went years later after I had a sort of like breakdown in London. I was like, okay, I got to get out of this life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like I don't know, seven years later that I ended up going to India. Wow. We, we do love to hear about people's breakdowns because that's how we find the harmony is out of the bottoming out. <laughs> Kit, is that something you'd like to to talk about at all? Like what happened in London that was not good? Well, I, I started partying too hard, really. Mm. Went to some of those trans parties. Yeah. 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 And I was working yeah. hard at the same time. Yeah. And eventually it just it didn't work out. And and I, I was I suppose I I had very sort of privileged friends yet. You could say they were too much on that side. They, they could afford too much, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we always got these VIP sort of backstage tickets to this festival and that and this and this and that and whatever never ended, you know? And I kind of like, I was burning the candle on both ends. And and eventually I just, I, I, I remember being at home and I woke up one morning <laughs> and I went upstairs to the kitchen and there was this, girl lying on the floor with big glasses on I thought how did you get who's this and anyway so I was like and she I walked past I stepped over I was like what is going on and and she said what are you doing and I said well I'm hungry and (laughs) and then another I felt a tap on my shoulder and this there was this other girl I don't know she came out of nowhere and she said well open your mouth and she put a cap of acid in my mouth Oh, that's Whoa. nice. Yeah. That's very friendly. It was, and, you know, in that for well, that time, it was like, wow, this is. Um, I mean, so I don't know, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, but I, you know, it's just kind of. I, I think that was that day was a really beautiful day. Um, that a lot of people ended up being at a house. I don't know how they got there. I, I was living with a friend, and yeah. we had friends, you know, yeah, <laughs> so coming over, and we 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 partied um, on the rooftop. And um, it was amazing. But I remember at the end of the evening going, I can't do this. This is not right. This is not me. Like my, my being was saying to me, change. And my friend had done a lot of Vipassana and he's, you know, his, um, he also came from a family that practiced Ashtanga. And so he kind of said, well, why don't you just get back into that stuff? You know, and he also knew my teacher, Penny. So he kind of su- suggested it and said, what, just go to, go and do Vipassana. Like they have a, have a really good one in the UK in Hereford, a good um, sort of Gwenko temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, I started doing that. And then after, you know, after my first Vipassana at that time, it was in 2008. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I just didn't want to go back to work. <laughs> Like, I, wanted, I just want to meditate to for the rest of my life. I wanted to do life. something else. Yeah, I just wanted yeah. to do this. And uh, I, I felt like just so connected to myself again. And I just didn't want to mm. stop doing meditation. Yeah. And I thought, well, let me go to India. 
Oh, you know, then, then I met my other teacher. I had already met. There's another teacher from Israel that I that was yeah. used to come visit us in in, uh, in Cape Town a lot. So the first thing I did is I booked a ticket back to Cape Town because he was going to be there, and uh, I, what, I studied with him for some time. What was his name? Shimon. 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 I wonder. I, Guy has told me about a very kind of phenomenal Israeli teacher that he knew, and I, I wondered if it was the same person. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, his English wasn't so good, but uh, you know, you, he was this type of person that would speak. I mean, his teachings weren't. He, he wasn't like he. He didn't teach you the Stanga sequence. Sequence like you know, he didn't give you the right vinyasa counts and all that kind of stuff. He wasn't right. into that. But his. Um, his Dharma talks and his, you know, just being with him, being in his presence. Yeah. That, that's really where the teaching came from. And I found that very inspiring. Like he, there was a moment where he was helping somebody with some sort of issue they had. And I remember him sitting with this person and it was like, there was a bubble, there's auric mm-hmm. bubble around the two of them. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a very windy day. And uh, some girls walked into the shada and they, they, the door, blew open and it was it was a big glass door the walls were also made from glass so it was like a, kind of like a greenhouse and it just everything just smashed and made a huge noise and they were laughing and then everybody kind of like turned to gaze at the commotion and i was looking at shimon and and how he was with this person and this auric field around him and i just nothing moved he he, he just he was so present nothing changed he, he and I, I thought, wow, you know, like, <laughs> like I, I would like to understand that more. Mm. How does he, he, he was just so present. Mm. And he would speak about, you know, um, the need for a superpower. And, and at that time, you know, you go, oh, superpower, what's, it could be anything. But when you're sitting with them, you sort of feel like you're in the superpower. So yeah. I kind of felt like, yeah, obviously we know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he was talking about the situation in our country at the time, particularly saying, you know, that a lot of people go and try and help these people in the communities and they want to change things. And, and, and that's the biggest mistake that we, we really need to offer them a superpower. Mm. And a superpower is just consciousness, really, I suppose. It's, it's, yeah. uh, in this case, he was particularly having a talk about samadhi, but being in that space constantly, being devoted to that. Um, being devoted to um, maintaining your connection with yourself in a way, mm-hmm. and um, whatever that you know, how you know, however we can translate that mm-hmm. in, in, in in an experiential way. Mm-hmm. So we were experiencing that being with them, and I, I thought, oh, you know, I just, I guess after that, like I went back to London, and that's when I quit my job, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I, I booked a ticket to Mysore. That's that's wow. how I ended up in Mysore, really. Wow. What was that first day like for you, flying in? Where did you fly into? And how? in what it's way like, was it overwhelming? To Mysore. To Mysore. Yeah, that was awesome. I, I kind of like, <laughs> I broke up with my girlfriend. And uh, I was totally like, and I also mended some old relationships. I felt completely free and open. And not, not that it had anything to do with like you know meeting girls or anything it's just like that like that relationship thing was just 
yeah, left me feeling closed. very sort of like, okay, well, I'm right at the beginning again. I'm just open mm-hmm. and I'm here. And uh, I arrived in Bangalore and I didn't catch a taxi to Mysore or anything. I just stayed in hotels and stuff or like little places in Bangalore yeah. <laughs> trying to make my way to, because I didn't know you can get a taxi or a bus. Like I was like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to catch one of these buses that go to Mysore. And I, I took my time. It took a few days. I got lost. And uh, it was just You so got lost nice. in Bangalore. Yeah. I did that. I, I walked out. The, the and satellite. Huh? And somebody had like the 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 Hamsa bus, and this mm. the guy was yelling out, "Meister, Meister, 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 Meister!" Oh, really? Yeah, I'll <laughs> drive. I'll take that. that. I'll grab that bus, and it was like mm. twenty five cents. And then, like three hours later, I was in Mysore. Three hours? Yeah, maybe three four hours. Really? Yeah, on the bus. On the bus, yeah. And I was like, "Oh yeah, great. This is for me." Wow. It's, if it's the same word. You know, like, <laughs> how did you find yeah. your way out of Bangalore to no, no, Mysore? I, I caught one bus that took me to a bus station that was very far away from the main bus station that was going to go to Mysore, uh-huh. and then I had to walk to the next one. And you know, you would ask somebody at a bus stop, and they'd go, "No, no, no, three minutes, three minutes, walk this way." And yeah. like, three, like twenty minutes later, I'm like, "Okay, so you know this bus stop is spent? No, 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 fifteen minutes, just straight walk." <laughs> and then you yeah. walk, walk and then half an hour has gone by and you're like okay maybe i should get on this bus yeah no 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 don't no, just walking and then i'm like no i'm getting on the bus and the bus like took another 15 to 20 minutes and we eventually get to this bus station well, <laughs> yeah that's that, that was sounds on the right. third day or something and yeah that was cool and then i remember yeah that started nice bus ride. <laughs> it's so beautiful just seeing all these sort of like it, it was the first time in india for me so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. first time in india is always i think quite touching yeah, yeah, it's so Even special. And so you arrive in the middle of the night, probably, and in, into Mysore, and and how do you get yeah. to Gokulam, and what happened? Um, I, I met a rickshaw driver, and he took me up. You know where the cricket field is in Gokulam? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not the cricket field, but where they play. You know, they play cricket. Yeah, with the water tower. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I had a beady with uh, some of the guys. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and a coke yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then they say they, they i was supposed to like i remember my mother saying oh no you better be careful like we need to book you into a hotel and she said, there's the green hotel and she like got all these things organized at this green hotel and and then i said to her, oh yeah i was supposed to stay at the green hotel and they're like yeah oh we can find you a place <laughs> <laughs> and then they showed me a place um down the road yeah like literally down the road and then i was like okay i'll just stay here then yeah. <laughs> and that was great i was just there that's amazing was it like with a lady in her home or was it like a like an actual no apartment? it was like a, just a room it was uh, a room yeah, with, yeah. with nobody else oh there was the finish the finish crew were downstairs oh, oh that's always nice. good you know, um, Heidi and uh johanna and yeah yeah uh, daniel uh well, I don't know where Asta was at the time, but Daniel was around. I remember we were all hanging out. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. We'll find you a room. Did you say Asta? Asta Kaplan. Asta Kaplan, yeah. Yeah. Is she Finnish? Yes. Oh, fuck. That's, that's so interesting. <laughs> no, that you're Harmony, yeah. Harmony said that we have to interview Asta, and I was... I thought, oh, she's Jewish. That'll be fun. Oh, I said she was Finnish. No, Asta Kaplan is like the most Finnish. Jewish. Yeah, yeah, because name Daniel's ever. Jewish. Daniel's yeah. Jewish. Daniel Kaplan, her husband. Oh, is that where you got the name from? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I that's think it's good. his birth name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because, okay. Yeah. 
Asta's Asta's original name is probably like Matthias' daughter or something like. <laughs> really, yeah, Jürgen. Yeah. Something unpronounceable to English speaking. Tukinen, yeah, 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 yeah. Latinen, yeah, Hokan, yeah, something like that. I love the Finnish language. I really, I think it's beautiful. Beautiful. It is a wacky place. Very difficult to get right. I love the Finns. I love their personality. They're so hardcore and nuts, and I just love them. Yeah, yeah. Love everything about that fucking country. So that was that was so interesting that you met Asta on your first trip because no, I didn't meet her. Okay. I think she had just left, or I don't know if she was okay. there. But um, Daniel, I met Daniel. They they weren't okay. married yet. They were just about to get married. Oh, cool. Japan Dan. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we always call him Dan from Japan. Japan man Dan. When yeah. <laughs> when I met him in two thousand and four, he was working in Japan. I forget where, but doing the translation like yeah. English to Japanese translation yeah. for things. And he had so gone native. Even though he's not <laughs> Japanese at all, he's American. We always, I always, we, you know, all of the friends called him, you know, Dan from Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I never thought to think of him as no Dan longer Dan Jewish Japan. Japan. <laughs> Jewish Japan, Dan. <laughs> Jewish Japan, Dan. No. No. no, that's that's amazing. So you stayed for three months on your first trip or how long did you stay there for? Yeah, that was three months. And you you mentioned this, and I think this is a delicious little s- story that Shrat noticed you, and it was like, "Oh, I'm going to take you for my own." That's always <laughs> that's always because you nice. were practicing yeah, with Saraswati. Yeah, because you remember Saraswati was in the same room. Yes, she would do her classes and, uh, like afterwards, right? No, it was like there. Yeah, there was a crossover period where, <laughs> where they were all there together. together. Yeah. yeah, and um, but I think she had to go somewhere. It was like she had to go somewhere for something like, like that like, day. Like, yeah. So Shirati yeah. took all of us. Right. And then, um, yeah. And then, like the the day before, Cyrus Wadi told me I should catch, and I said to her, "No, maybe tomorrow." And then she was like, "Oh, no, good. Tomorrow's not good." Like anyway, so I didn't really nothing happened. And then, um, and then yeah, I I remember doing my dropbacks, and then Sharat was in front of me, and he kind of like says, "Well, he just says go, you know," and I'm like, "Okay." Oh. And he made me catch, and he took my hands right up, and he was like, "Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next year you practice with me." Yeah, <laughs> you're mine. Next like, year okay, you practice with me. Like, um, <laughs> so funny. Yeah, he snatched you out of Saraswati's basket. <laughs> yeah. I wish I knew at the time how um, competitive or territorial they were. Yeah. It, that took me a long time to figure out because I thought I was just practicing with the family and then you find out they own the stu- you know, particular <laughs> students and that that can be very awkward in your interactions with them <laughs> is what I discovered. Yeah, because you think they're just a happy family and it's all yoga and everyone's Oh, together. no, far from it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm with... Or, or like I remember seeing Saraswati once in Barcelona. I just thought, oh, cool, I'll go and pop in and say hi. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, practiced and and she was like where are you from who are you and i was gonna say no she you practiced her shirat and i was like yes and i was saying it's so you know kind of like yeah and she was like oh. yeah okay i don't know i mean we don't know i i'm not gonna so speculate funny. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so where did you go after your first trip? Did you go back home to where, South Africa? In what year is this? Where are we now in your life? Is this like 2008, <laughs> 2010? No, it must be. Yeah, 2009. Eight. No, 2010. Yeah. 2000, end of 2010, 2011. Right. Yeah. We might have met in my yeah. summer. It's possible. <laughs> that was a, yeah. Hmm. And so did I guess you stop going? Work. No, you, you you both still go there. Do we both still go there? That's a good question. Um, I I um, I went continuously from two thousand and three to two thousand and twelve, and then um, maybe two thousand thirteen. I had a little break, and then you were going really hard there at two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. And got your certification. Well, and then, I went every year from 2004 to 2017. Yeah. Except for one year, 2011. Well, you had a baby. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Maybe, yeah. yeah, just that year. <laughs> and then 2017 was the last time. And we really, we really blew the doors off that trip. And, <laughs> and haven't recovered quite we, yet. We were, yeah, we. Uh, we're still recovering. That talk about burning the candle at both ends is, oh my God, that trip was the most physically exhausting. Wasn't that when you guys got married? We got, dated. We started just got dating. Dated. Dated, started dating. I remember seeing that on social media, like suddenly, oh. like Hami just came to uh, Munich just before yes, that. Just literally that's when we met. That. And I was like, something's going on. And then I saw your ex and my soul, that trip immediately. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, something's definitely going on between it. He was like, like you know, Jedi, da, 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 something, <laughs> something about, you know, and I was like, okay, well, mm. okay. So I, I, and then I saw that you guys hang out with Shirat. And I was like, oh, okay. Something's, that was, that's something's good. up. <laughs> something. Yeah. Something but, is yeah. up. There's a story <laughs> in the air. Yeah. People love it. You know, it's, it's funny. They do people love it. it. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm not sure. Did we meet in Mysore before? I think we might have. Our paths yeah. might have crossed, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember meeting you in Mysore. Yeah, I don't remember what year, though. It all blurs together for me, those mm. <laughs> all those years. Mm -hmm. you, you, I'm, I, wanna, I wanted to say this, and I, and I wasn't sure until we got on if I, if I would, um, but I'm, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying your company, and, and you seem like such a nice, affable fellow. <laughs> And I, I don't mean to disparage you in any way, but, but there's a, you have a particular kind of type to me and, and I'm just wondering, and I want to, I just want to see if it's, if it's true. Are you're a, are you a kind of star? Star? With, yeah. Are you a star? Like one of these phenomenal fucking practitioners that just kind of arise out of the ether. Are you oh. one of those? Like an alaya. I don't think I'm an Ashtangi, to be honest with you. Oh, oh, so that's in your <laughs> rearview mirror. Let's but... talk about it more. Yeah. <laughs> but, but okay, was yeah, I mean, I, I just like threw I postures at every you. day. Do do that? That huh? yeah. Was there a time when he just threw postures at you and just like, go, go, go? Oh, right. Go. Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of does the practice come easy to me? For sure. It, it, wow. It has. Like it's never been a problem. And uh, I have always had this thing where like, I kind of like, I, I preferred 
I, I, I remember there's always people always looking for postures, right? People always waiting to get a new posture or to get this or to get that. And, but I, I've always had the opposite. I've never had that. I've never been like, oh, I hope I get a new posture this season. I've never had that. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's always, it's always been the opposite. It's been like, okay, like I, I hope I just can just stay here and relax. You know? <laughs> because, yeah, true. He, he does. He, he gives me a lot whenever I'm, you know. But I, I don't go that often. I always go every second year. Yeah. Um, mostly, you know, because of uh, economy and mm. yeah, whatever, or, or responsibilities, or there's always yes. something. Yeah. So. But you have that beautiful balance of strength and flexibility, so that's what yeah. you're you're well seeing. I I, feel, I just I'm looking at his aura, <laughs> and his aura is saying to me like, um, there's like this kind of wonderful space and openness, and that's biological. You know, that that goes right into the cellular structure. And you see that with guys that do fourth series. I don't know if you're doing it now, but, you know, I'm sure he wants to get you into fourth series. Well, that'd be just great. Look, just looking at you, you look like someone that, that it's in it's in your cellular structure to. Yeah. To do it, to have that. So like reading what you sent to us and reading your Instagram profile and looking at things that you've read what i've kept coming back to is like oh i feel space with this yeah. guy and space in in our in in the human body equals flexibility and and softness of the tissue it, mm. it lends itself to that and mm. i just had never seeing you do a fucking posture once i i was i was i had the feeling that maybe you you had that that maybe that dough-like quality to the sinews? I think it's a decision that you can make. Like if you, um, do you know what I mean? If you mm -hmm. have the privilege of, as you said, space. Mm -hmm. Like if you understand space and, and like, I think my uh, temperament um, is, is fortunate in that way where um, I'm very open, in, I mean, in my mind. Yeah. yeah. And, and I feel spaciousness. Spaciousness is a, is a big topic for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like space is probably the most important thing for us. Uh, one of the most important things after ground, being grounded, which is what <laughs> my thing that I've been working on because I'm in so much right. in the space that I'm not that grounded or yeah. have not, it doesn't come naturally to me. So for me, it's all about grounding and mm -hmm. becoming more um, in my body and present. But from there, spaciousness is really important um, because that's where we find joy that's where we find um freedom mm -hmm. that's you can only flow with a space if there's no space to to move in then you can't mm -hmm. really flow and then uh, then you're going to get this kind of like friction right mm -hmm. and um friction is what we want to that's going to create suffering i suppose conflict mm -hmm. and this life's all about friction yeah. so if <laughs> they say this life's suffering then you know that makes sense yeah because yeah. because of the duality and the um, blockage, really. I think when, when things become stagnant, mm -hmm. um, they become dull and dead. And yeah. so, you know, from the very beginning in this life, we're always moving towards that. You know, it's always like, like our faith to move towards death and mm -hmm. becoming sick and stagnant. Mm -hmm. And um, the only way out of that is to orientate your mind towards space and, and that's a decision 
Mm. You, yeah. I think anyone can do it. It just comes easier for some um, because of their temperament, perhaps, or because of their um, their collective sort of information, the data that they carry, mm-hmm. or scar, <laughs> whatever. But you know, when you know. I take a a lot of muscle relaxants. <laughs> That's how I feel. I feel the change in personality. Okay. And I say, I say, this is how Brett Porzio must live his life, is like this. And you said to me, is like, well, if there's anyone that Michael Scabord is most like, it's probably Brett Porzio. Really? That's what you said yesterday. And, and I like thought, your your yeah. kind of and so aura and practice if style. You, if you want to get better in the practice, I'm just gonna suggest people to take muscle relaxants. <laughs> Oh, right. no. on a no, daily no. basis no. just you can take like micro doses <laughs> micro doses and then you'll have developed that an idea spacious. i remember once experimenting yeah. before lead intermediate no <laughs> no ibuprofen you know yeah um, that's not so bad but yeah the ibuprofen. no we we know about taking ibuprofen let before, me tell you and I, I, you had to you were doing pincher and pyrandavasana and i remember just rolling falling down like i was like and i had no strength though that was the problem there was no i couldn't come up Uh, i could get into everything i remember kind of going hi i feel so open today i feel so relaxed (laughs) it was like it lasts eight hours and i took it like just before going to bed dude we wake up early hours in the morning and then you're you're talking to two people that would take four or five capsules a morning every morning (laughs) for for a decade yeah (laughs) because we were on the opposite end of the spectrum of having too much strength and not enough space both of us are burly in our (laughs) sinews and so that ibuprofen that works so well on you yeah you know, we had to overdose on it for it to do anything mm. just to feel like wow. you could like oh do an upward dog you know. mm. well i'm i'm curious i want to hear more about what what makes you say you don't think you're in a shtangi anymore wasn't, wasn't that intriguing yeah mm. no Tommy. it's the label you know it's like this identification mm. maybe yeah i think i, I could quite easily just i could prefer not to be that or anything mm-hmm. I, I you know i always whenever i put myself out there it, i don't do much of that but i when, when you have to i, I will say yoga you know I, I like to stay open i don't want to be like i don't want to close to one system or one ideology or um because people get the wrong idea it's like the word love and the word God and these things. People get the wrong idea about these things. And then you think, you say Ashtanga and it's like people get, I, they have preconceived ideas about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel it's just unnecessary to to uh, to say you are a anything. Like I'm not a vegan or anything. I like vegan food. It's quite nice. But I'm not <laughs> going to be a meat eater or a vegetarian or anything. It's like yeah. I would like to be open. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm, I'm quite interested in just, and I think, I mean, we all go through these things where we we have to break up and then make up, break up, yeah. make up. So, so, so that's happened many times. Like I'm sure it has for both of you guys yeah. been around forever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I, you know, I, yeah, whenever I've gone through that, um, 
So wait, what is my point with that? Um, you, 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 as okay, well, I'll just relate it to the identification thing. Like you, you really identify with whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and uh, in this case, you know, with Ashtanga, it's, it's, it's been like that. Um, you kind of like very easily identify with an immediate community, immediate sort of, and then you get authorized for doing six, nine months of practice or something. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and suddenly you're, you're like respected and all these things. And it, I mean, it's ridiculous. And it's so easy that you could just end up thinking you're, you're, you're the shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so obviously, and then with that, you have this, this whole backup of ideology and, um, uh, and I, I was interested in, in, in serious questions about life. I want to know, I want to know about God, you know, and, and I, I found like these sort of things really, um, distract you from that. You start mm-hmm. falling into the biggest trap ever. And, um, I guess after a while, I kind of just after many times of having my little inner breakups and stuff like that with, with, with the, with the ideology of whatever we're doing. Um, I kind of like, you know, you, you can't, you break away from it and you kind of go, okay, you know, this is not really, um, this is not really being honest, mm-hmm. but then the practice works so well. And then you kind of like <laughs> fall back in. That was one stage. I remember that happening. The practice was so good. And then, and then, you know, so you go through many different variations of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, the more recent, I think is that I really actually felt like I don't want to, I don't really want to depend on, I don't really see like I'm really open to completely not actually going this yogic route. It's necessary, like completely, not just Ashtanga, but everything. Like, okay, so yoga, that's the darshana, that's the view. Like, let me just let go of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me open up to other things. And I think uh, that's actually what it was, is that, you know, staying open allows you to evolve because then you fall back into it. And, you know, now I fall back into my practice and it's a completely different practice because I'm not doing it for any, it's not associated to anything. It's just, it just works. I just feel so good. Mm-hmm. I just do it. Yeah. And I, and I prefer to keep it that way. I prefer not to like sort of label myself because I could let it go any moment. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that goes with the spacious thing. It really does. Qualities, like the reason why I yeah. haven't been, reason why I got married actually, to be able to kind of just like commit <laughs> to something. You know? mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's because why I, Harmony I, and know, I got married our the first time. <laughs> <sighs> Try and settle down. Um, <laughs> no, it makes it makes sense though. Um, I I really like that the yeah. sort of like being able to let go of, of the ideology, even like the methodology, even like yoga altogether. Yeah. In order to figure out what really works and what really adds value to your life Mm -hmm. and to your experience and what's really helping you to focus the mind or find peace or, you know, feel spacious. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And it's like a complete overhaul of, of preconceived ideas and notions in order to let like what's what's really 
um, sustaining you or what can really sustain you or what can really like reveal something, you know, mm. of substance or truth or, you know, and then it becomes, original. It becomes yeah. like really yours. Yeah. Like, and that is authenticity. It's, it's really yeah. something that you've discovered within yourself and you, you kind of gone, okay, well, um, I'm not doing this for any kind of belief system or I'm yeah. not following any sort of like, yeah, as we said, ideology, but, um, mm -hmm. or methodology or, you know, and I also, it's like, what are you giving people? What are you, you know, like, I, you know, the, just on the nine month thing, you know, like if you're going to be a teacher after nine months and, and you, you really, really are like steadfast on this like identification, that's a really kind of dangerous place, I think, because mm -hmm. you're teaching something that's supposed to be um, a spiritual path and you are sticking people up against the wall, basically. You're saying, you know, this is, and you're actually just completely way out of your depth because you're not really, <laughs> you're not really, a, you know, you're not a leader of any kind. Yeah, you're you just mimicking your teachers. Yeah. So that, that's often, you know, we all see that and we all kind of maybe have been there in some point but mm, now it's absolutely kind of, you know i suppose the washing machine goes on and on and on and on you sort of have your makeups and breakups and eventually you kind of get to this place where it's like ah oh, well i'm you know with if i'm not open i'm not really going to evolve and we need to go beyond i feel like the yoga is it's an incredible subject i love it um however i uh, i don't want to just um credit or i don't know if that's english word discredit or mm -hmm. de uh, discredit um you know the evolution we're going through right now and the discoveries we're making in the, in the sort of spiritual realm right now mm -hmm. we're making breakthroughs we we are seeing new things we need to be open for that we can't be sitting in a in, a, in an old traditional sort of his, historic way we can't be locking ourselves up into that box we need to kind of like open up the lid of the box and, and really experience life as it comes so i mean at one stage for me it was like sort of tantric teachings more as opposed to yoga disciplines being more open to that now okay i'm like done with that but there's still <laughs> more things, you know there's always going to be more you know yeah and all um, these little explorations also inform your experience and and you take something from them too right it's yeah kind of a beautiful thing and that's what the yogis did you know Mm -hmm. We're going to get into yoga. That's what yogis, you know, the ones that wrote the Shastras, they were like that. They weren't like yeah. trying to fit into their Shastra boxes. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're using the phenomenological experience of being alive as an insight to what reality is. And that's that seems to be what where you're going with this, that just the, the, the idea that you might be pushed into a, a label gives you the... A, an urge to rebel and find uh, find what is really real. That's it's. it's oh, no. a, I mean, the rebel thing. I, I'm I'm not really into the rebel thing anymore because I, I was there. I remember. Let's very, let's say the the, <laughs> the rejection of a label is what I meant by the word rebel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As you don't even want to be tied to the word yeah. rebel. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing. It's I think I feel like there's something to to labels that are. Um, Molly in the background. 
that's nice. It's, there's something to labels that are that are brittle and dry in Ayurvedic uh, sense. That that um, that even the rejecting of that is giving you uh, spaciousness and and moisture, and that all kind of then bleeds into the the cells of your of your tissue. And that's incredible. Mm. <laughs> He's very jealous. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm jealous. Like, uh, I, I, um, because it would require being a different person. And um, I am, I had so much pride about being dense and strong. Mm. And I knew in my heart every single time I did a vinyasa that I was unable and unwilling to let go of the power that I carried in the vinyasa. Funny, I'm actually jealous of that. <laughs> no, no, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite jealous of people who have like very kapha temperaments, you know, for example. Not that you do, but, um, you know, that kind of thing really just, I'm like, oh, I wish I had that strength and that power and that unlimited force within me, you know, that I'm sort of like somebody you could just flick into the ether. It's but <laughs> what comes floating away already. We're yeah. trying to like tether you down. <laughs> what comes with that is an, is a, is an insufferable stubbornness yeah. and an unwillingness <laughs> to change. And that I, I think that's at the heart of our two beings. Like that's, those are two people who are not going to do the other. But a little bit of balance would be helpful. It would be yeah. would be good for yeah. us. Yeah. Mm. Like Michael mm. said at the beginning, he's he's working on the ground energy. Primary work at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I need to learn how to give up. You need to work on give the up. Just, yeah, let, just go. let go of things. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I spent in the, over the, this whole pandemic time, I, I haven't really been doing my practice. Uh, yeah. I have. Okay, now I'm doing it. I'm not like, but. <laughs> you can you cannot do it. You know, it's okay. I, I kind of spent a lot of time like just being like sort of going, okay, well, I didn't practice today. I didn't practice. I didn't practice maybe for a few months, actually. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe three months at a time and. And uh, I, I really like that. I, I like to be able to just not care. And now, okay, now I'm doing it every day. It's so it's, that, that's the amazing thing about having students. Yeah. And uh, a, a wife that practices as well. Yeah, they give you some ins inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I was thinking about this very thing recently, um, like that that place or that space when you're kind of fresh with the practice and you feel like, Oh, I need to do this every day to be balanced or to mm -hmm. not like be irritable or to like, this is my medicine. This makes me well, that kind of like attachment to the practice where you feel like if you don't practice, something's wrong and your day is totally off. Yeah. And how I was thinking about this very thing. Like for me, it, I don't feel that. I can not do the physical asana practice and feel totally balanced and totally fine yeah. and totally like beautiful. Like everything's beautiful. Nothing's wrong. I'm having a great day. <laughs> yeah, until you start feeling like something's off. <laughs> yeah. 
And then I it's think, like you, you found it out yourself. You're like, okay, well, it's not because I, did, I think I didn't do my practice that it's off. It's like, actually, something's off. I wonder what it is. Oh, I didn't, I haven't practiced for three weeks. Right? <laughs> yeah. I think maybe I should do my practice again. Yeah, <laughs> and then you and, yeah but yeah. It's, it's interesting how I think when you become established in that, like in a practice and when your nervous system becomes more regulated, and yeah. your mind becomes more, um, like, I guess, clear or balanced or peaceful mm-hmm. or something that you can kind of hold that space without trying to hold the space, but it just yeah. lasts longer. Yeah. Right? Established. Yeah. Mind is established. Yeah. Okay. And then you notice like, oh, I'm starting to like feel low. I need to like reconnect to that prana, to that energy and like mm-hmm. build it up again. But then it's, coming from that place in you that's like like this is a tool or a resource i have that really works to build prana to build connection and life energy and like help me go in yeah rather than like i need this to feel normal (laughs) exactly exactly then it becomes like exciting and uh it, it takes on a whole new sort of like you know um you know sort of like rekindling a sort of romance with your practice That's what I think that's the the benefit of mystery. You're like, oh, there's something intriguing and not known. And I've so often rejected mystery for in pursuit of a program and programmatic development that is uh, that is egalitarian and and uh, fair. And that that was a that was a minefield in my story. Like getting into that and feelings of fairness are going to crush your soul. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds very democratic. <laughs> but if you go into like, a, you know, an, an anti-programmatic, anti-label uh, uh, pursuit of, of, the, of the mysterious, which is the, the mystic experience, then you can, you can really just have a nice time yeah mm. yeah you just open then there's no this or that mm-hmm. it's like you know say you're a really big sort of person like physically and you can see someone floating around like a feather and just really enjoy that experience of being around them mm-hmm. and that's that's your experience of mm-hmm. being a feather but your whole way of thing. There's so much joy and juiciness within you that you just enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and know that that's changing, I guess, or whatever it no. is, it is. You know, there's nothing you yeah. can do about it. Changing so. or not changing. <laughs> it is. The only constant we have is change. So Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not the only constant. Maybe it's just... Um... If it looks like it's not changing, it's just because it's changing so slowly, we can't notice it. Or maybe it's not changing. We're aggressive. Mm. No, either you're... way, either way. <laughs> you're, 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 you're only uh, observing. And the Prakriti is always changing. Maybe it's not changing. That's just, what, but that's you're still what only yogis observing. Say. The yogis say that mm. only awareness doesn't change because it yeah. just is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So maybe even Prakriti changes or not changes. Apparently, if we were to... Um, Travel at the speed of light, yeah. Somewhere and come back. Things would have moved on a lot more. 
be around everybody and they'll be very old and stuff like that. And yeah. if you were faster than the speed of light, you would actually be younger than what you were when you left. Yeah, time right. is very much related oh, okay. to speed. Um, it's, it's related to the earth moving around the sun or the mm-hmm. around its axis. Because yeah. of the earth, that's why things change. The faster you go, the slower time operates. And so from the perspective of, say, a star of light, or say the, the Big Bang and the beginning of the universe, from, from the, the universe's perspective, because it's going so fast, time is operating at such a slow rate. From the perspective, if you were to apply consciousness to the universe, from the perspective of the universe, time has not yet started. We're still in the Big Bang. Just a titch. Just a titch. Whereas the rest oh. of us, fucking 30 billion years later, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're really in slow-mo. Yeah. We're yeah. like sloths. Yeah, just it. like sloths. Wouldn't it be nice to be a sloth? <laughs> That's a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up in Venezuela? Isn't he leaving Venezuela? Well, he's there now. Isn't he going to yeah. Africa? I'm going to Africa eventually. My, we met. I've been hold on, let's go back. Let's no, go back a little. We can end the podcast. I know. I just. I, we don't need to get into all these little stupid <laughs> no, details. Just, when when we met, when we met, and I was, I came and visited you in, in Germany. Germany. München. That was in 2016, I think. Why are you so fixated and, on history? <laughs> and then you started your own program there. I'm getting stoned just being next to this guy. And you're now doing a Russell case. Well, what do you mean? In Munich, I started my own program. Yeah, did you start your yeah. own program in Munich? Yeah, I mean, that was ages ago. That was in 2014 yeah. or something. Right. But you were teaching out of a studio and then you like went to a different space. Yeah, think, yeah. Right? Actually, it was Michael Hamilton that uh, he organized that gig because it was it was the studio that he worked for in Zurich that now Brett's working for, right? Um, oh, okay. Oh, is it? Yeah. There's like a weird little triangle there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. uh, I, I assisted him uh, for like a year or something in Switzerland. Michael, yeah. And then, and then like the owners of the studio had their sister studio in Munich and they were like, yeah, we want to do the same thing. So... They asked me to go to Munich. So I went oh. to Munich and I didn't really like the way the woman was operating. It was, yeah, it was not good, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left, I just, I left and made my own program, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think they, they weren't too happy about, obviously. Mm, no. <laughs> but it, it seemed necessary because, you know, they, I guess I just wanted to do my own thing. I, I kind of, yeah. I wanted to achieve something. Yeah, you wanted to build something or create something that was yeah. your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how long were you then in Munich? Uh, in, like four years or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And did you meet a nice Venezuelan girl? <laughs> yes, I did. Mm. <laughs> Oh, yes. In Germany or in no, Deutschland? No, no, no. Um, there's like in Mysore, you said, yeah. Yeah, I saw her in Mysore. I fell in love with her. I saw yeah. her in the cocoa tree. She was like this wild Latina, and I was like, wow. 
You saw her from afar. Yeah. <laughs> Intriguing. Yeah. Anyway, so um, that was then. And uh, I had a girlfriend at the time. So I was like, oh, you got rid of her. All right. And then <laughs> was she German, that one? Uh, she was uh, actually also, she was from Ecuador. Ecuador. Oh. Oh. Your spears are drawing you. What, um, Central America. It's six of one, half a dozen of the other, mate. What? Why, why make the change? It wasn't going to work out, you know? Yeah, you just know. Living in Colorado illegally and all that kind of stuff. You were no. living in Colorado. No, no, but my ex-girlfriend was. Oh, she was, yeah. okay. She was. Yeah. She, she, wanted me to live, she wanted me to just stay there. And I was yeah. like, well, that means I'm living in the USA illegally. I didn't want to do that. So. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, you know, and I was offered this job in Munich, and I thought, okay, well, let me go to Munich. And, um, but anyway, yeah. So years later, um, Liz got hold of me to ask me to go to Frankfurt. She was going to Frankfurt quite a lot, and yeah. she couldn't because she didn't. There was a vaccine issue ah. <laughs> with Germany, and you know, yeah. COVID vaccines and stuff, and she didn't want to do that. And so she asked me to go and I was like, well, I'm not doing that either. Right. And um, so I'm not going to go to, I'm definitely not going to Germany. At that time, Germany was like. Really intense. You know, sort of like, you know, they were getting a little bit strict. Yes. I don't know. It was getting a little bit tight <laughs> in, in, in Europe at the time. Yeah. So I said to her like, yeah, well, I'm quite interested in coming over to see you. So I, I, I came over here. And nice. then, um, I, yeah. and did you start the program there that you're teaching now, or was it already up well, and going? This this has always had students here. She's Great. been here for a long time. Yeah. Um, but she had just started the Shala. Um, uh, on, you know, she she kind of. I remember when we started talking, she had, she asked for my advice on whether she should take, you know, um, put a deposit down on this rent, uh, you know, on this house yeah. where our Charlotte is from. And, um, or, or, you know, she, she, she was in a bit of a piddle. She didn't know what to do. She wanted to go to, she was offered a job in like another country, mm -hmm. a big studio kind of thing. Or she had this option to stay here and start something with community and be here. And, uh, my advice definitely was, be with community, stay where you are. Don't don't, don't follow that. Yeah. Uh, but I think she had already made that decision inside. And she she decided to open this and then she asked me, okay, look, she showed me some pictures, said, do you want to come as well? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm coming. Mm. So she just opened up this and then I came over. Um, yeah. Amazing. And how long is it? So it's been like six months then here in Venezuela? Seven, eight. Seven, eight months. Yeah. Nice. yeah. And you might go back to Africa. Well, I've been trying to extend my visa and doing visa runs and all that kind of stuff. So we got married um, to, you know, not just because of the papers, but it, it, it kind of was in the sort of, you know. It, the stars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we kind of had to, had to do something, you know. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I would be doing visa runs all my life. And, yeah. you know, Africa is very far away from, or South Africa is very far, far away from Venezuela. So, yeah, I sort of foresaw that being a big problem. And uh, I came here with my birth certificate in case mm -hmm. that was going to be a problem. And it, it, it has been a problem, actually. I mean, you don't yeah. just rock up in Venezuela. And, like, nobody can just do that unless they have an invitation. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, 
you know, every single time I need to renew my visa, I need to get a, a letter. I need to do COVID tests and all these mm-hmm. things. And I have to fly to some country that asked me for a list of vaccines. And so yeah. I, I didn't really want to do that every single time, every mm-hmm. three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we've got an extension, but I have to leave after the extension. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess I have to go home <laughs> <laughs> this time. It's been so going Lisa, on for like seven, eight months now. And uh, and, wow. and your partner's your partner's name is Lisa. Is that Liz. right? Liz. Liz. Liz Karaskal. Can you say that again? Liz Karaskal. Karaskal. Liz Karaskal. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I, she's I, might, gonna... I might hear her sort of directing me this one. <laughs> is she going to go with you back to, to yeah that's the idea so so just for a visit though no i mean these are still ideas now we, we're not quite sure what we're going to do no we're trying to get you on tape man. <laughs> but they're she's... free spirits you i never no, know no, where no, you're no. going to end kind up of michael <laughs> i mean we're cancerians you know we need to build a home and yeah okay i'm a little bit more you know leo yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more free spirited, and I, I I've traveled all my life, and I've never really committed to anything. So this is quite new for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's her star yeah. sign? I I'm on the cusp of this Cancer and Leo. Right. I'm, like, I'm the I'm four hours or no no four minutes away from Leo. So yeah. So yeah, those are into astrology. And July twenty two. Or 21? 23. 23. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just easier for her to get a visa now. That's all. It's easier for her to get a visa to come to South Africa. But that means we give up something we've built up here. And and obviously, that's also very difficult. And I've done that too many times in my life, I I think. So you're ready to find, find a home. Yeah. It's nice to have a place that you can like travel to another place and then come back. Yeah. Yeah. To have a real home. Yeah. Uh-huh. That you feel like I mean, when you arrive, you're like, oh, this is nice. I know this place. Yeah. And I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, I've been just always living out of a suitcase and and you start feeling a little bit weathered. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing where you end up and and what's next for you. You've been all over the world since we met, so <laughs> it'll be wonderful to catch up with you somewhere yeah. along the way. Maybe, maybe South come Africa. Back. Come back to South Africa. Oh, I would love to. It's so beautiful Is that, there. Did you visit him there? No, I visited Eureka. Uh, Eureka. Yeah, yeah, thank you so, so much. I for mean, that is being an official guest. invite, by the way, Russell. So you, you can <laughs> <laughs> you can tag along if you want. <laughs> oh, I, I love to. I I'm think just Tommy's really going to be as enthusiastic. She's going to be like, yeah, well, Africa's far away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I learned about map making? Mm. Oh, it's really? racist. What you do? Those yeah, surveillance, surveillance, whatever. Yeah, like it when they make the world map. Okay. Cartographers. Um, I think Africa as a continent is never actually to scale to how big yeah. it really mm. is. No, they it's 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 uh, always inaccurate. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's always, Even, but mostly. No, no, it is. Yeah, you have to make it is inaccurate not a, because it doesn't fit on the map. Yeah, it's Europe so is big. not 
a continent and anybody that tells you different is lying to you. Europe is a peninsula of Asia and Asia fits very neatly inside of Africa. <laughs> yeah. I, like the whole thing. I have a family friend who's a, a pilot and he flies to Virgin yeah. Airlines. He's from the UK. Uh, to Cape yeah. Town regularly. And um, he he did some sort of, I think it was like a, a fundraising or it was something like this. But he, he got into a very small airplane and he, he flew to Cape Town from London, I think it was, or somewhere, Cornwall or something. And um, he he told me, he said it, it, the Sahara Desert, he, he almost didn't make it just to get to the next fuel stop because it was, he, it was, it took forever. It's and normally yeah. they're in these, yeah. you know, huge Boeings, you know, and they, they sort of like do something up very high. They, they, they scale, I don't know, they, they do something else to make it quicker. Yeah. But um, he said, when you were flying in that small thing and you had a cross, he, he said, it, it's true that the maps aren't accurate. It's, it's a lot bigger no. than the maps say. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This it was just yeah, it was so wonderful to reconnect really with you. And pleasure see to you meet again. you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking waves There's a heart